After 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nahum Siegel. Welcome to a Monday. Back to school, back to work we go. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I gotta keep on giving. 
Passed away 
nothing to mourn. Went into a shop that read closed on the door. There was a minion in the back of a hardware store. Nine men waiting for one more. We ushered in the Shabbos with a beautiful song. The Chazan had a voice that was clear and strong. He sang out as one all Shabbos long. Then Marin came again, I had to be moving now. I asked the man, I saw how many Jews in this town. He said to me, there used to be a minion around. But one of us passed away and we've been feeling down. Yet now it seems as though another Jew has been found. Shabbos was carried on a song. Whoa, man, I saw how many Jews in this town. He said to me, there used to be a minion around. But one of us passed away and we've been feeling down. Yet now it seems as though another Jew has been found. Won't you stay with us for Shabbos? I've been all around the world, seen a lot of faces, never known where I was on the horizon. Ooh, well I know, I know, I know, I know, so I'll be rising back home. No, we won't forget where we came from, the city won't change us, we beat to the same drum. No, we won't forget where we came from, the city won't change us, we beat to the same
That it's hard to commit to You say that it's hard standing still Don't you know that I spend all my nights Counting backwards the days till I'm home
Monday morning broadcast at 91.1 FM, 90.1 FM in the Catskills, Rockland County at 91.9 in the FM dial and around the world in the web. JM and the AM.org. It's Monday on this April 27th, day 8 in the month of ER. Good morning, everybody. Day 23 in the counting of the Omer. We're up to uh, three weeks and two days. If you forgot to count last night, make sure to do so sometime today. Again, today is day number 23 in the counting of the Omer. Also, day 1. Of the three days of Bahab, it's the first of the three days of Bahab. If you're familiar with that, consult with your local rabbi. JM in the AM on this Monday, our Sphera format continues. We have guests who will be joining us during the second half of our program. A whole bunch of stuff going on that we'll update you about. Meanwhile, 48 degrees outside with 50% humidity. Winds are north at 2 miles per hour. Partly cloudy with a high temperature of 63. Then tonight, partly cloudy, a low 49 Mostly sunny for tomorrow with a high temperature of 69 degrees. Yerushalayim is at 80 degrees and sunny. Wow. Tel Aviv at 72, Haifa at 75, a lot at 99. <laughs> we mentioned a lot again yesterday during the uh, OU Fair show. 
Uh, the OU had the Jewish Communities uh, Fair. And uh, this time around, it included Israel, of course, and uh, our friends at Nefesh Benefesh, and we got in a couple of plugs for the city of Eilat. As much as I'm being encouraged to possibly check out other areas of Israel, I'm continuing the uh, the routine, if you will, of uh, lauding the uh, the benefits of uh, heading to Eilat. Uh, anyway, 99 degrees in Eilat, that's one of the benefits right there. 99 degrees. We're at 48 here in Jersey City as we say good morning at JM and the AM. Thanks for tuning in. 29 minutes before 7 o'clock on this Monday. Interesting uh, news report we're waking up to. A um, Apparently, Israel and Hamas have been engaging in indirect talks, according to a senior Hamas official. Israel and Hamas are engaged in indirect chats through European mediation, according to senior Hamas official Ahmed Yosef. This according to the Palestinian Ma'an News Agency. According to him, a senior advisor to Hamas leader Ismail Hanea, the indirect talks and the ceasefire between Israel and Hamas and the possible opening of a seaport to end the Israeli blockade of Gaza are expected to increase after the new Israeli government is formed in the next uh, couple of weeks. He said European diplomats and civil society activists come to the Gaza Strip constantly impose Israeli viewpoints and convey the reaction of the movement through unofficial chats. The Hamas officials said the international parties were also mediating efforts to return the bodies of Israeli soldiers killed during Protective Edge in the summer that are thought to still be in Gaza. Hamas has a lot of important cards to play and surprises on the topic of the missing soldiers, he said, adding that a Hamas surprise would be revealed after the formation of the new Israeli government. Yosef told Ma'an that a condition of Hamas releasing the bodies was Israel's first releasing Palestinian prisoners freed in the Gilat Shalit deal who were rearrested during Operation Brothers Keeper, which followed the kidnapping of three Israeli teens in June of 2014. Former U.S. President Jimmy Carter is scheduled to arrive in Gaza April 30th. Yosef said that he will meet with Hamas leaders and then meet with PA President Mahmoud Abbas to help mediate between the two factions stalled National reconciliation. Mm. So Jimmy Carter is coming to the rescue. Should be very interesting. See if we could learn anything more about these uh, indirect talks or chats that are going on between Israel and Hamas, according to a Palestinian source. JM in the AM on a Monday morning, 27 minutes before 7 o'clock. I want to thank everybody at the OU. To say that yesterday's uh, Jewish Communities Fair was a success, I think, is an understatement. Uh, the number of people that we saw was just incredible. They had over 500 people who were pre-registered to come and investigate communities that are essentially out of New York. You have some New York and New Jersey communities that were represented. Uh, all of them, of course, looking to grow. And we were there. In our capacity, uh, webcasting and speaking with uh, many different communities, we had the opportunity to really speak to a whole bunch of communities. Didn't get to all 47, but we did get to a uh, to a bunch of them. Anyway, the OU released a book, magazine, pamphlet, call it whatever you want. Um. They released this, uh, this, um, this magazine 
this pamphlet, this book, and on each page, another community that was highlighted yesterday is highlighted with all their amenities and descriptions of the communities. A lot of talk about the uh, <laughs> less expensive housing prices than we're used to in this area. And uh, it was very interesting to uh, hear from so many different people from so many different communities who really had a lot to offer. Very interesting, especially for those of us who are uh, always suspecting that the Jewish community is here in the New York, New Jersey area and uh, in in very few places otherwise. So you may want to check it out. It's uh, ou.org slash community, ou.org slash community. Those pages, I am told, are going to remain up there for a while. So you'll have an opportunity to check out some of the things that a lot of people came to check out in person yesterday. And again, a big thank you to everybody at the OU for including us. Always a lot of fun. It's, it's, the format's really simple. Everyone knows it. Uh, it's basically take, um, the 10 communities that were chosen by lottery and just, uh, speak to them about the different things that they have to offer from uh, different areas around the country. And there's a lot, a lot in the world of education, real estate, job opportunities, a lot of stuff going on around the country. And, of course, our friends at Nefesh Benefesh were highlighted because, uh, first and foremost, we encourage everybody, of course, to consider the Holy Land first. And uh, if it's not the right time, then obviously there are many choices around this country, North America in general. Day 23 in the counting of the Omer. It's JM in the AM with 48 degrees. Good morning. Thanks for tuning in to 91.1 FM, 90.1 FM in the Catskills, Rockland County at 91. Point nine on the FM dial around the world on the web, jmtheam.org.
It's called done by Yassi Goldstein here on a Monday morning, 23rd day in the counting of the Omer. If you've got the count last night, make sure to do so sometime today. Ari Goldwag had Ki Elecha and Ki Nicham off of his acapella soul CD. Emesh Gachech done by Eli Gerstner and the Chevra from a Chassidisha acapella here at JM in the AM. 48 degrees, partly cloudy and a high temperature of 63, two minutes before 7 o'clock. News from Israel coming up. We'll do that in Hebrew coming up. Great uh, programming on our stream all day long at jmnam.org. The Israel Show with Mayor Weingarten is happening between 9 and 10 this morning, right after JM and the AM. Make sure to be tuned in. Um, the um, the stories of the uh, assistance that Israel is giving in light of the Nepal earthquake 
Some of them are so heartwarming. Two planes that carried Israelis rescued from the earthquake in Nepal landed in Israel on Monday. Five other flights flew to Kathmandu on Monday with Israeli rescue teams, IDF soldiers, and medical personnel to help Nepal, which is devastated by the 7.9 magnitude quake that struck on Saturday, killing over 3,300 people. Since then, additional damage has been caused by a series of aftershocks. A small IAF plane, the Israeli Air Force, was the first carrier to arrive back in Israel from Nepal. It landed at a military base early Monday. On board were a number of wounded Israelis and premature babies of Israeli parents who were born to surrogate Nepalese mothers. A Magain David Adom plane with five more babies born to surrogate mothers and their Israeli families landed at Stadov Airport at noon on Monday. Over a dozen babies still need to be airlifted home. Three IAF Hercules planes left for Nepal Monday as the two El Al Jumbo jets with missions jointly organized by the IDF and the Foreign Ministry. The large carriers with 260 personnel on board also transported 95 tons of equipment, including a field hospital with a ward for premature babies. Rescuers brought with them cutting equipment, electronic devices to help find victims trapped under the rubble, generators, lighting equipment, and more. When the large planes leave Nepal, they hope to carry some of the 100 Israelis in the Chabad house in Kathmandu and another 150 who have sought refuge in the Israeli embassy. Since Saturday, the foreign ministry has helped locate 150 missing Israelis. There are still 100 who are unaccounted for. Israel is working with the Nepalese government to help to send rather helicopters to more remote areas such as frozen lakes to find stranded Israelis who were in the midst of treks when the quake struck. On Sunday, Prime Minister Netanyahu spoke with a delegation headed by Colonel Yoram Laredo, who told Netanyahu that an advanced team had already landed and was preparing the infrastructure for the arrival of their larger mission. Just unbelievable. America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard and listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial. Broadcasting live from the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey, around the world on the web, jmtheam.org. More coming up between now and 9 a.m. here at JM and the AM. I want to thank our incredible weekend programmers and uh, everybody who uh, made sure that our incredible programming continued all through the weekend. And a big thank you to everybody at the OU. We had a wonderful time there at the OU Jewish Communities Fair on Sunday in New York City. It was really an amazing, eye-opening experience, about 47 communities around the country. Galitzal in the background, news from Israel coming up. Galitzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast for a Monday follows next. We say Boker Tov from JM and the AM. ארבעה מטיילים ישראלים שנתקעו באברסט לאחר רעש האדמה בנפל חולצו לפני זמן קצר בידי צוות של חברת הביטוח. מצבם טוב. הורים למטיילים שעדיין נעדרים הפגינו בצהריים מול משרד החוץ בירושלים בקריאה להגביר את המאמצים לחילוץ ילדיהם. כתבנו אוריה אלקיים מוסר שמנכ"ל המשרד ניסים בן שטרית נועד איתם בחדר המצב ואמר שהמדינה השקיעה מיליונים כדי לאתרם וכך תמשיך. אנחנו נעשה כל מה שאנחנו יכולים כדי שאתם תוכלו לדבר עם יקירכם כמה שאתם מהר. אני לא יכול להוציא מכלל אפשרות שיש אופציה כזאת שעדיין לא הגענו אליו. 
המשלחת הישראלית לאזור האסון המריאה בצהריים במטוסים של אל על וחיל האוויר. שליחתנו עופרי אשל. על המטוס 190 חברי משלחת, רובם רופאים ואנשי צוות מחיל הרפואה, שיקימו עם הנחיתה בקטמנדו בית חולים שדה, שיכלול בין היתר חדר מיון, מחלקת יולדות וחדרי ניתוח בשטח. בשדה דוב בתל אביב נחת לפני שעה קלה מטוס נוסף, ובו חמישה תינוקות שנולדו בהליך פונדקאות בנפאל להורים ישראלים. כתבתנו קוראל יעקבי שמעה שם כמה מהאבות שנחתו עם ילדיהם. רגע הכי מפחיד היה ברעידת אדמה. רעידת אדמה, פשוט זה לא הפסיק. זאת אומרת, הבנו שזה רעידת אדמה, אבל זה פשוט לא הפסיק. והתחושה הייתה ממש שאנחנו כאילו תינוקות שמביאים אותנו הביתה, שעוטפים אותנו בהרבה ביטחון. אהההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההה
J.M. in the A.M. Lenny Solomon and Company with that schlock rock, schlock appella CD. Peace of mind here at J.M. in the A.M. Uh, before that, you heard the uh, Yom Shani selection from the Sphira album. Yeshiva Boys had Hayom. And Kolachai with the Krakow Nigun. Kolachai, the Goldschmidt brothers and the Mayor Weingarten on Thursday on Yom Ha'atzmaut told us that amazing story of their great-great-great-great-great-grandfather who was uh, in Eastern Europe and made his way to Palestine or to the land of Israel at that time. <laughs> Not sure what it was known as at that time. And um, all these generations later, of course, his uh, his children living in Israel. Anyway, Kolachai had the crack out Nigun here at JM in the AM. If you missed our Yamatsumot special, it's worth, uh, it's worth going back and listening. Check it out in the archive section of jmtheam.org. You can find it on the Nahum Single Network app. You can comment on the uh, comments section as you listen to it. There's so many, so much great material in it. Wonderful music. A great discussion. We had a wonderful Yamatsumot celebration here at JM in the AM. Check it out. I think you'll enjoy it. Today's day 23 in the counting of the Omer. That's 23, two weeks, excuse me, three weeks and two days. Three weeks and two days. You forgot to count last night. Make sure to do so sometime today. It's the first day of Bahab. Uh, if you're not familiar with that, consult with your local rabbi. The Philip and Sarah Bell School of Jewish Music has an outreach seminar in Nusach HaTfila. They're inviting all Balei Tfila and aspiring Balei Tfila, and I can tell you there's a lot of aspiring Balei Tfila out there. Yeah. Very often we get, um, we get the privilege of hearing aspiring Balei Tfila in shul. Um, so you're all invited, Balei Tfila and aspiring Balei Tfila, to the Beirish Schreiber Memorial Seminar in Nusach HaTfila, chaired by A.J. Schreiber. It's a tuition-free certificate course in the musical Nusach of Tfilat Shacharit for Shabbos. They'll provide music sheets. There'll be certificates of completion. They'll be given to those who complete the seminar. Um, recording is allowed. There's no fee required. This is all beginning. It's all happening with the instructors from the faculty of the Bell School, Cantor Bernard Beer, Cantor Sherwood Goffin, and Cantor Eric Freeman. And it's happening starting on Thursday nights at 8 o'clock, beginning April the 30th. This coming Thursday night at 8 o'clock at Congregation B'nai Yashurin, on West Englewood Avenue in Teaneck, New Jersey. It goes for four consecutive Thursday nights. And um, we encourage everybody to participate. If you're going to daven for the Yomid, you may as well do it right, right? <laughs> so everybody out there should participate. And if you're an aspiring cousin, take advantage of the opportunity to learn how to daven Shachar on Shabbos properly. Phone number 212-960-5353, 212-960-5353. You can email bells, B-E-L-Z, at Y-U.edu, B-E-L-Z, at Y-U.edu. Rabbi David Goldwasser's words, Echonish Masar of Zeb, Halevi. Here is Rabbi David Goldwasser with Morning Chizuk. Good morning. We're going to be continuing with our series on Sfira Sa'omer. We read in Kriyashma, if you will continually listen to my mitzvahs, to love Hashem with all your heart and all your soul. And then we read, You should beware, Lest your heart will turn away and serve other gods. 
First we read about serving Hashem on the loftiest level. And then the Torah suggests the possibility that one may, God forbid, serve other gods. There seems to be no middle ground or half-hearted service of Hashem. We can clarify this through a statement in the Talmud Yerushalmi that Klal Yisrael are forgiven for their sins of idol worship, immorality, and bloodshed, but Hashem does not forgive the sin of abandonment of Torah learning. This is difficult for us to understand. Why would the transgression of the three cardinal sins be pardonable, but not the lapse of Torah learning? The altar of Kalm explains that one who serves Avodah Zarah commits murder or is immoral, has rejected his human qualities, and therefore he's comparable to an animal. Therefore, his culpability is not for these sins, rather he's held responsible for the initial offense which resulted in his ultimate downfall. And therefore, that particular offense is Bittal Torah. Man's responsibility is to be always aware that his abandonment of Torah can and will only lead to his descent to the depths of depravity. Likewise, on Yom Kippur at Mincha time, as we reach a peak in our spiritual standing, we read the Parsh of Arias, Immorality. This serves to call to our attention the importance of maintaining an exalted spiritual status, lest we plunge to the lowest levels of immorality. There's no middle ground, either Kedusha, Holiness, or Tumah. We see that our definitive connection with Hashem is directly through Torah. The Zohar explains that the word Svira is from the Loshon of Sapir, Sapphire. During the days of Svira Sa'omer, our mission is to purify and refine our souls, to polish our character so that its true brilliance will shine forth. For that reason, it's appropriate to increase our Torah learning during this period of time. The great Gon Rebbe Chonon Wasserman was Rosh Yeshiva in the Yeshiva of Baranovich. He not only disseminated Torah to the masses, but was also responsible for the financial situation of the Yeshiva. When the Yeshiva would run out of money, Rebbe Chonon would personally travel great distances in order to raise funds. His first stop, however, when he would reach a destination, was always immediately to go to the base Medrash to learn for a while. Rebbe Chanan once had to travel to England. The journey that was required was an arduous one. He traveled by train, by horse and wagon, and also by foot. Soon after his arrival at the home of his host, a almana, a widow, requested an audience with the Rosh Yeshiva. She gave him a large sum of money for the yeshiva and was elated to receive Rebbe Chanan's abundant blessings and profuse thanks. As soon as the woman left, however, Rebbe Chanan was ready to return to Baranovich. Although the people of the city tried to dissuade him from leaving, they begged him to stay a few days and raise additional funds. Rebbe Chanan was adamant. Despite the fact that he just arrived after such a long and arduous journey, he explained that he had been forced to leave the yeshiva, resulting in a measure of bittel Torah, because the yeshiva could not carry on without additional funds. But now that he had received an infusion of money, he could not remain for another moment. My purpose is not to collect money for the future, he told the people. My purpose 
is to be Marbit's Torah. The very same day that he arrived in Manchester, he left to return to Baranovich. This has been Rabbi David Goldwasser, bringing you Morning Chizik. Have a nice day.
The Maccabees here at JM in the AM. I want to thank everybody at the OU. We had an amazing uh, program there yesterday. The um, OU Jewish Communities Fair took place and uh, featured uh, Nefesh Benefesh from Israel in 47 areas of uh, North America. All in the United States, I believe, um, that are just uh, bustling Jewish communities. They really had an incredible showing uh, from so many different areas of the United States, and we met a lot of very interesting people there. Uh, it's worth checking out online the uh, ou.org slash community link, because uh, there they have a list of so many different places uh, that you could explore, even if you don't have the group in front of you. Um Meaning, even if the representatives are not in front of you, but there's so much information that they provided yesterday in person that's uh, there online. So you can check it out. I'm just flipping through the actual book, the actual magazine that the OU produced for the event yesterday. It's remarkable. Really nice. Uh, and I thank everybody who uh, had a role in the yesterday's show. And um, I apologize. Uh, I saw somebody commented on our, on our app that they were... Uh, Expecting the usual uh, a replay on a Sunday of the um, of the Wednesday Z Report live lunch, and that didn't happen, so I apologize. Uh, but we sometimes do preempt for some great live programming over the weekend to replace some of our great programming that's normally heard on Sunday. JM and the AM on day 23 in the counting of the Omer. It's the first day of Bahab. The rescue missions that continue from Israel to Nepal are unbelievable. We keep reading about uh, plane loads of personnel and field hospital equipment and um, sensor equipment to to try to find victims who might still be alive under the rubble. Um, babies being flown from Nepal to Israel. And uh, the next step, uh, plane loads of people uh, in the hundreds who are now stranded either at the Chabad house or in other area in the embassy and other areas of Nepal and are uh, awaiting um, the Israeli government, the Israeli Air Force on El Al to come and rescue them. It's pretty remarkable. We always talk about it, how Israel is there for everybody around the world, no matter, no matter who it is that accepts their offer for help, who accepts their offer for rescue help. Uh, in this case, a lot of Israelis, a lot of our own, are involved as they were uh, hiking or uh, taking uh, taking special tours or visiting that region of the world. Um, and the the efforts continue, and the incredible incredible ability and generosity of the state of Israel comes through again. Really remarkable. Nineteen minutes before. 8 o'clock, it's JM in the AM, and this is brand new from the Y Studs. <laughs> 
The Y Studs had Hashem Melech here at JM in the AM. Day 23 in the counting of the Omer, three weeks and two days. If you forgot to count last night, make sure to do so sometime today. Sphere format Monday here at JM in the AM. Nadav Kidron is with us live via telephone. He is a chief executive officer and director of Oramed Pharmaceuticals, which he co-founded in 2006. They are based in Israel. Uh, he is an entrepreneur whose experience includes senior executive roles in a wide range of industries. What is unique about this company, Oramed, is that they are um, they are working very hard to release a medication available to the public, um, which is an orally digestible insulin capsule. Those people out there who are uh, diabetics are familiar with uh, insulin shots. A lot of people who are not diabetics are familiar with insulin shots and how people take them on a regular basis, many on a daily basis. Uh, they are working at Oramed to actually create an oral digestible insulin capsule. How do you like that? Nadav Kidron, shalom and welcome to JM in the AM. Shalom, Malcolm, and thank you for having me over. A pleasure. Uh, from what I've been reading, this effort has been made before. There are companies that have tried to do this to convert the potency and the uh, convenience of the uh, the insulin shot into pill form. Why is your effort different? Right, so there's absolutely there were, there were definitely trials in the past, and I think it was always obvious that there's this dream that people will be able to take insulin. And by the way, it's not only limited to insulin, because if you can take the hormone of insulin, you can probably deliver other hormones. So there's other injectables that you can deliver them orally um, if the technology works well. What makes Oramed unique is that there is a tremendous amount of data that was already produced by Oramed that shows that uh, we can actually deliver the insulin orally. Now, whether that will become a drug, there's a very high chance that yes, but we still have a way to go. Interesting. And and this is across the board. You're, I mean, I, I think this is what you just uh, were alluding to, that you're looking to do this with other medications as well, correct? Right. Well, just, just to give you an example, imagine taking the Oramed um, um, technology and then it's flu vaccine. Instead of taking it as an injection, people will be able to take it orally. So how many old people or young people who just don't take it or, or, or other people who just don't take it otherwise will take it if they can take it orally? All right, understood. Tell us about the beginnings of this company. I mean, we are always amazed by the entrepreneurship and, of course, uh, progress in fields like medicine and pharmaceuticals that are happening in Israel. Tell us about the beginnings of your company. Well, it started when I was five years old. <laughs> <laughs> No, seriously, um, uh, the way when I was five years, when I was growing up, my mother was a scientist at Tadasa Medical Center, and for years they've been working on converting insulin and delivering it orally. And as I grew up, uh, around ten years ago, my mother told me, "Listen, we finally had a breakthrough, and 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 this thing can can become a drug that can help hundreds of millions of people." And I told my mother, listen, you know, it, it, not only that you can help them, it also has a huge financial upside. And, and they basically, my, my background is I'm a lawyer, I have an MBA, but basically I left everything that I did and I took the technology out of Adassa, we established the company, 
And since then, we've done tremendous amount of work. You know, the company today is trading on NASDAQ, and um, and, and we, we're about to start a very, very exciting time. Nadav Kidron is Chief Executive Officer and Director of Oramed. Well, that, that's why, you know, why, excuse the, uh, you know, the layman's question, but why does it take so long? What you just described sounds like a project that's been in the works for decades. Why does it take so long for this to come to market? Well, unfortunately, you know, the average price of developing a drug is over a billion dollars. And, and the number of years, you know, in many cases, reach 16 and 17 years. The reason is, and specifically when you look in the United States, is that there's a very, very strict regulation. And unless you're on a, on, on a fast track for some reason, the, the amount of time and effort that you need to do, I mean, I'm ready, I have the capsules ready, I can produce them, I can sell them if I was allowed to. But the FDA comes and says, you know, if you want to sell, then you need to go through a phase one and phase two and phase three. And you need to show me this and you can show me that. And all of that, by definition, takes tremendous amount of time and tremendous amount of money. Yeah, I can only imagine. And and, and I, I guess it's not fair to ask you about the downside, but, but I mean, is there any downside that you could allude to at least? You know, is there is there a reason why the FDA or others would not encourage this development or not, you know, accelerate it uh, at a much, uh, you know, greater pace because it would be such a great service to so many people? Yeah, yeah, there's definitely a downside because whenever you are dependent on the third party, there's always the exposure that, you know, one guy will say, I want X or, or, or Y, or, or when you move into larger clinical trials, you may see some side effects that, that you didn't see it on, on smaller scale. And again, side effects is something we're always going to see. The question is whether the side effect is bigger than what we consider as, as the positive effect of, of the drug. So, so there's definitely, even though I can show you the results and we can show that Oramed is able to, to deliver insulin orally, there's still uh, the exposure and there is the risk um, until we get it approved and it's in the market. And even then, there's still, you know, risks of some drugs that can be taken off the market. The risk is there. But when I weigh where we are versus the risk or the gain versus the risk, I think we're at a very, very advanced stage. And given the fact that it's not a new medication, it's not that we don't know whether insulin is going to work. We know that insulin works and we're able to deliver it. I think it puts the company into very, very exciting place. Would this help with every type of diabetic? I don't, I don't know the different types, but I know that there are some that are more severe, quote unquote, than others. Would it help everybody? Well, um, it, it definitely will help everybody because insulin is, is the key thing when we talk about diabetes. But we are actually aiming now at the type two, which is the bigger part of the, the, the bigger slice out of the pie. And because it has a huge advantage beyond just the patient's compliance, because you know I'm, I'm surprised you know people in America there's so much diabetes there, and with the lifestyle in America and, and the amount of food that we eat, and that there's not enough exercise that we do, it, it's a scary epidemic disease. Yeah. And, and almost everybody, whenever I talk to someone, everybody says, "Oh, I know someone. This one, my father, my mother, my uncle, my aunt." Anybody knows someone who has diabetes, and, and that's why the market is, is so huge and, and is so hungry to, to get something that will help people both on the patient's compliance end of it, but also to get the insulin delivered earlier on in order to, to preserve them and make them much healthier. Yeah, well, and, and by the way, unfortunately, there's a juvenile diabetes epidemic as well. Not, Absolutely. Not just Absolutely. among adults. Yeah. 
But here, you never, you yeah. don't, you don't stop hearing stories in this country about juvenile diabetes. Now, Dav Kidron is with us, Chief Executive Officer and Director of Oramed. What's the company's greatest claim to fame up until this point? Uh, is there a medication yeah. that, uh, you either worked on or released that, uh, is not the uh, oral, um, uh, insulin that uh, made waves out there? Well, the, the oral insulin actually definitely made the uh, waves out there. And, and if you will see and you, you will look at the uh, company's website, oramed.com, or other sources, you'll see that we got some of the top people in the industry, including the Nobel Prize winner, including, you know, whether it's the senior vice president at Pfizer or the guy who was numbered three at Merck. These are people with a vision who's been there and done that, and, and, and they, they believe that, that the oral insulin can, can really um, open up a new paradigm in the way we treat diabetes and, and what we call tikkun olam. And we really look at it in, as a way to make this world a better place. And we say, Mitzion but we say, Mitzion oral insulin. <laughs> You're not going to understand that. Uh, is it possible that this type of technology and all your research is going to lead to a time where children will be able to take certain uh, vaccinations, quote-unquote, orally, instead of suffering through the shots in the doctor's office? Well, so I think we live in an era where everything is possible. This is the science fiction world we live on, and everything you can just think of, you know, uh, there are labs somewhere in the world working on it, and it's probably just a matter of time until they're going to get to it. So they're talking even today about, you know, artificial pancreas, that will solve the, the issues of uh, pancreas not able to produce uh, insulin. Um, they're talking about giving insulin and sort of as, as immune against diabetes in, in some, you know, some aspects of it. So there's definitely uh, things out there that are being developed that when we look towards the future, we can see a very, very bright future ahead of us. And, and, and we feel very proud, you know, it's not only, we're not only there, you know, to make money for, for the investors, but we, we are there to make to make a change and, and, and to make people's lives much better. It is pretty amazing. The website is oramed.com, O-R-A-M-E-D.com. We take great pride that this project's happening in Israel. Overstate the obvious for us, Mr. Nadav Kidron, or Dr. Nadav Kidron. Uh, tell us why uh, so many of these companies that are making these types of advances are in the state of Israel. You know, I got a whole lecture uh, that, that, that I do about this because it's unbelievable. And, and I can only encourage the listeners, you know, the people who come to Israel so often and they see the same things and, and, and they miss out that there's a whole new world in Israel now of new high-tech and biotech companies that are developing technologies that are transforming the world literally. It's unbelievable. And, 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 and you can see here there's delegation from China that come here all the time. And from all over the world, people want to come and see how this oasis of innovation was created. And, and I think that there's a couple of reasons to it. And, uh, you know, definitely the, 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 the Jewish uh, um, brain and our, our culture of, of wanting always to learn and to do better and to strive for more and the limitations of, of not being able to do business with, with our neighbors um, the beautiful thing about intellectual property that if you put an application, you know, if you create the waves that allows you to navigate, right. so you put it here and, and that's it. Anybody around the world can take it down. There's nothing physical that needs to go across. Right. And, and that's why Israel is very much focused on this field. Pretty amazing, I'll tell you. 
Hey, you can go to oramed.com, O-R-A-M-E-D.com for more information about uh, Nadav Kidron and his amazing company. What can we say? We know that uh, millions of people will be assisted once your uh, medication, uh, I guess, uh, passes all the tests and goes through all the stages it has to go through in order to hit the market. So we wish you the best of luck with that. Thank you. Thank you, Nahum. And we hope hopefully in the next few weeks we're going to move into the phase to be in the United States, which is a big, big thing for us and, and for all the diabetics out there. And I can only invite the listeners, when you come to Israel, look us up, come visit us, come visit other companies, and uh, make friends with us. And where Where is your uh, company located? What city? We're in Jerusalem. You're in Jerusalem. Wow. And uh, and you just mentioned about the United States. So, I mean, is it likely that before the end of 2015 it will be used in a testing uh, type of thing for, for different people here, or it could be a full, full-blown full medication that will be prescribed to people in need? Well, we've already ran trials in the United States, but we're about to start, in, in this coming month, we're about to start um, a big trial. It seems to be 180 patients in 30 centers across the United States. So, so you know, this is, this is a huge phase to be that will take place entirely in the United States. So, so it's, it's really a big deal. And if that goes well, then it could be months away from, from actually being prescribed on a regular basis. Um, months. Months is the right word, yeah. Definitely months. Hatzlacha Rabban, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much. Nad- Nadav Kidron, Chief Executive Officer and Director over at... Uh, Oramed, O-R-A-M-E-D dot com. Yet another incredible company in Israel that is changing the world. Their project right now, as you heard, is um, to bring to everybody who needs it an oral insulin pill. That's their goal. What people are used to in terms of taking insulin by injection, they want people to be able to take it orally. And you can imagine how many millions of patients will be thrilled <laughs> if that becomes the new method of uh, of uh, dispensing uh, insulin. That will be pretty remarkable. Uh, it's America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 in the FM Dial, broadcasting live from the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey, around the world on the web, jmdm.org.
Many of you will recall as we were uh, building up toward the big uh, uh, deer shoe event in Israel, the uh, Dafyomi Bahalacha Siyum that we were at um, uh, just uh, right before Pesach. You'll recall Rabbi Gabi Fried was in our studio to discuss the shear that he gives on a regular basis in Staten Island. And on top of that, uh, he was encouraging people to sign up and even sign up uh, for some of the, for some or all of the deer shoe tests, which actually uh, help everybody um, really make sure they know what they're studying on a daily basis when it comes to Dafyomi Bahalacha. Um, Rabbi Fried has a report for us about the uh, activities this past weekend when it came to some of those tests given around the world. Rabbi Gabi Fried, welcome back to JM in the AM. Good morning, Nachum. Good morning, everyone. Ah, uh, I, I hear, the, I hear, the, I hear the smile on your face as you recall your visit to us here at JM in the AM. It was a pleasure then, and it's a pleasure now. <laughs> I appreciate that very much. I hope you were able to catch some of our uh, broadcast from the big Deer Shoes celebration in Tel Aviv. Um, that I did not. What? I can't believe it. And you're willing to admit it, huh? <laughs> well, listen, you're a lucky man. We have an archive section at jmdm.org. You can go at any time and listen to those great shows. That sounds amazing. <laughs> Believe me, it was amazing. And I'm sure you heard that it was amazing, right? You heard it was an incredible event. Unbelievable. All right, uh, Rabbi Fried, uh, first of all, when is today's Daf Hayomi Bahalacha Shir? What time will it be taking place? Uh, well, there are over a hundred uh, Shirim on the raster right. taking place all you know all the time. My personal Shir, the Shir that I give, is at 9.15 tonight. All right, 9.15 in Staten Island. Correct. All right, anybody wants to join, you're there with open arms. Yes, and they can always access the shirim. There are over, I believe, over 20 shirim available on Kol Halashin at any time. Wow. And there are also many other resources. If anyone just Googles Dershu or Dafyan Bahalacha, they'll find multiple uh, platforms to hear and learn the shirim. All right, now before we talk about what happened over the last few days, remind our listeners that there's a reason... Uh, one of the reasons that Deershu is so successful and, and it has so many people really committed to the program and recalling a lot of what they're learning is because of a testing system. You actually, I mean, you don't, you don't require anybody. You'll remember we discussed this at length on the air. You don't require anybody to take tests, but those tests are available for anybody who really wants to enhance the experience. The tests are available. It honestly is not as difficult as it sounds. Mm. As we discussed last time, uh, we're talking about a 20 to 25 minute commitment five days a week, right. and it's approximately three to five lines of Shulchan Aruch, which is the original text, on, and together with approximately five to ten of the Chavetz Chaim's notes the, the, of the Mishnah Burra. Right. If somebody, uh, if one is, stays on top of himself just a little bit and makes sure to do it on a daily and weekly basis, uh, it's relatively simple to work towards taking the test, they are multiple choice, um, and they're very voluntary. There are testing centers all over uh, the United States and um, Europe, Israel, etc. And uh, if, as you know, uh, they're estimated that about 50,000 people took the first Bechana. Right. And if 50,000 people can do it, then uh, I'm sure that there are many others that can join can join the bandwagon. Yeah, by the way, it's it's amazing how you got to that number because the the Siam and the whole celebration and all the hype that was surrounding it really helped that number increase, right? Those recent Bachinas, the ones over the last few days, really saw a tremendous number of people come out. I honestly don't believe anybody predicted how how this would take off. It's truly become a worldwide movement. Uh, if you speak to people 
um, uh, over Pesach. I spoke to multiple people. I spoke to somebody from South Africa. He says, of course I'm doing the program. So people all over have taken it, taken it upon themselves, this very minor commitment, and which has a very major impact. And the truth is that the, the, the step from learning to taking a Bechin is a big one. Right. But at the same time, I would highly encourage people to try it once. And they'll probably be very pleasantly surprised at how uh, attainable it is. All right. Now, where were you? This was yesterday or last week. Where were you for the big test? So, um, actually, as a maggot shear, I'm not really, um, uh, it's, you know, I'm, I'm not really allowed to take the test. Ooh. However, <laughs> we do have a test in Staten Island. All right. Um, the, our numbers were much bigger than last time. And... Um, like I said, it's really, really something think people should consider doing. It, it took place in one day? So in Eretz Yisrael, the tests were on Friday. Right. And in the United States, they were on Sunday. Which is yesterday. Correct. Yeah, that's what I meant. I didn't mean you specifically had to take the test. I, I meant that you were, uh, I guess, in some way either supervising or responsible because of your sheer for those who came out to take the test yesterday. So if you want, if you want to really appreciate how momentous and how tremendous an accomplishment this was, yeah. just the the... Logistics are mind-boggling. To give 50,000 tests means you have to have a couple of thousand proctors. Right. You have to have someone who's going to mark all those tests. Right. Just stuffing the envelopes, and <laughs> it, 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 it literally can blow the mind what uh, Dershu has accomplished here. And um, it's an amazing system, and it's an amazing accomplishment. How many number two pencils do you need? That's what I want to know. I believe, you know, I, I did used to take the Bechenis, and you are supposed to bring your own pen. <laughs> there you go. It's your contribution to the cause, huh? <laughs> All right, Rabbi Gabi Freed is with us. We're talking about Dear Shudaf Yomi Bahalacha and, uh, of course, uh, the significant uh, aspect of, uh, of today's show is that over the weekend, Friday in Israel, and it seems Sunday everywhere else, tens of thousands of tests were taken. Uh, that is one of the ways that people keep up with their with their Torah study. Uh, by actually taking tests, which is, uh, I, I believe, in this era of Jewish history, a Dirshu implementation. What are we up to today, Rabbi Freed? What's today's shear about? What topic are we uh, are We, we are learning about the laws of which garments are obligated in tzitzis. Mm. And um, there are some very interesting um, uh, questions that come up. Uh, if we have time for one. Yeah, go ahead. Give us one um, of those. Specifically, uh, they tell me that the weather is going to be getting warmer. Okay, that's good. Uh, We've been, hear, we've been hearing that for two months, by the way. There's a postbook in Parashas Nayak that says that every year we are going to have summer. Right. Um, here in the, in the uh, northeast, it's hard to believe right now. Correct. Um, and as the weather gets warmer, people find it sometimes more challenging to wear uh, tzitzis, especially if they're made out of wool. Right. So the question arises, which materials can be used if we want to make our tzitzis lighter and more comfortable? Okay. So the first uh, step of the solution is that we determine what a material is by the majority of the material. So if you would have a garment made out of 49% uh, polyester or some other light material and 51% wool, it would already be considered a wool garment. Right. Uh, secondly, we should really take a step back. Um, there is a disagreement which uh, t- types of material are obligated in tzitzis. And the Ramah Paskins, the Ramah is of the opinion, which is the way we Ashkenazim follow, that all materials are biblically obligated in tzitzis, including silk, cotton, etc. 
So cotton is a lot lighter than wool, obviously. Right. right. Um, so that would be the second step of the solution. Um, just a cute twist. There are those that um, feel that wearing tzitzis uh, makes them lose from their physique. And uh, I'm not condoning or judging anybody, but uh, if you talk to people in the field that are trying to get our youth to be uh, Torah observant, this is a challenge that comes up. So therefore, they, if they'd like, they can make tzitzis out of uh, 51% cotton, 10% spandex, and they can make themselves a body-fitting pair of tzitzis. Very good. And um, that's, uh, that basically covers that. That, that, that would be the uh, answer to that question. And you just... That, I'm sorry. That as long as the uh, majority of the material is of something which we are allowed, we obligate to make tzitzis, it would be a, a kosher pair of tzitzis. Okay, and you just answered one of my questions, because as Deershu has said many times, they try to make things as a modern as, and as up-to-date as possible when it comes to uh, topics. And sure enough, I don't think they had spandex a couple of hundred years ago, right? That's something that's a 20th century invention, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. Now, so, well, interestingly, there's an interesting disagreement about whether synthetic materials are obligated in tzitzis. Rip Shlemizalman or Bach Paskins, that as long as they turn the material into threads, such as they take the nylon, which they tell me is produced as one large sheet, sort of like a sheet of plastic, but as long as they cut it into threads and weave it into a garment, it would be uh, obligated in tzitzis. However, if Moshe Feinstein writes in a uh, lengthy tshuva that where he proves from many different places that um, synthetic garments would not be able to become tame, and since they can't become impure, they would not have the halachic status of a garment. And therefore, that's why I automatically stress that less than 50% of the material should be a synthetic material. Very good. All right, there you have it, everybody. Or by Gabi Freed, if you want information about uh, Deer Shoe and all their... Uh uh, testing centers and what they do on a daily basis and all the different shiurim that are available. Uh, you can, um, well, what's the best way? What's the best way people to get information about Dirshu? Triple eight five Dirshu. Info at org. And uh, your next appearance is tonight at 9.15, correct? Correct. And that's going to be, and, <laughs> where's that shiur going to be delivered on Staten Island? In Congregation Agudas Shomri Hadas, 98 Rupert Avenue. There you go. However, I very much encourage your listeners to just uh, use whatever resources they have. As you know, Dirshu has partnered with Torah anytime. Right. Um, if you just Google Dafyami Balocha, Dirshu, you will find the resources. There are multiple shiurim available online, and as we said, on Kalaloshin, which you can call in at any time. And there's really, Hashem must be getting tremendous nachas from us, <laughs> from the amount of Torah learning, commitment, and really people putting themselves to the task of getting to know what we're supposed to be doing and sticking to it. I love your enthusiasm, Rabbi Freed, as you know. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. And Yeshikach for uh, that report on the 50,000-plus who are part of this cycle of Dafyomi Bahalacha's uh, uh, testing uh, that took tests uh, this past Friday or this past Sunday, Monday morning broadcast. It's JM and the AM, day 23 in the counting of the Omer, first day of Bahab, 48 degrees, partly cloudy, and a high temperature of 63. Reminder, at the Philip and Sarah Bell School of Jewish Music, present an outreach seminar in Nusach HaTfila. It's the Beirut Schreiber Memorial Seminar 
happening uh, happening this coming Thursday, and then for three other Thursday nights at Congregation B'nai Yeshurun on West Englewood Avenue in Teaneck, New Jersey. It's a tuition-free certificate course in the musical Nusach of Tefillah Shachris for Shabbos. Instructors include Cantor Bernard Beer, Cantor Sherwood Goffin, and Cantor Eric Freeman. Information, contact the Bell School at 212-960-5353 or email bells at yu.edu, B-E-L-Z at yu.edu.
After 8 o'clock, our friends from the Shalom Task Force are here at JM in the AM. The Shalom Task Force annual brunch is happening on Sunday, May the 3rd, starting at 10 a.m. at the Sephardic Temple on Branch Boulevard in Cedarhurst, New York. Honorary awards will be presented to her by Dr. Abraham J. Tversky, to Sheila Selig, and to Joyce Austin. Uh, men and women are invited. You're all invited to participate in a very important organization. You'll find out in a moment why they're so important. You can go to the web, shalomtaskforce.org, shalomtaskforce.org, or call for information at area code 212-742-1478, 212-742-1478. Let's introduce our panel. Dr. Alan Singer is here. He's been here before. He's executive director of Shalom Task Force. Dr. Singer, welcome back to JM in the AM. Good morning, Nachum. Good morning. Great to see you again. Um, Mrs. Basia Kovacs is here, director of the Shalom Workshop. She is here. Good morning, uh, Mrs. Kovacs. Good morning. Thanks for having us. And Mrs. Rachel Marks is here, who's a board member for Shalom Task Force. Mrs. Marks, I say good morning to you as well. Good morning. So nice to be here. Nahum. I appreciate that. May 3rd is a big day for Shalom Task Force. Hopefully a lot of people will come out and support the organization. Dr. Singer, why is it such an important organization to support? Well, thank you again for the opportunity to talk about it, Nachum. 22 years ago... Our founder, Mrs. Nahuma Wilson, was approached by a pediatrician in five towns who saw 
signs of physical abuse on the mothers of the children he was examining. And he asked Mrs. Wolfson, what is there in the Orthodox Jewish community that addresses the issue of domestic abuse? And there was nothing at the time, but I'm happy to say there's Shalom Task Force now at this time. Then, 22 years ago, our hotline was formed. We have 65 volunteers who work the hotline shifts throughout each week. We get 1,000 calls each year. We had a number of calls that were asking legal questions, so we formed Sarah's Voice for free legal assistance, and they serve about 110 victims each year. And then, wisely, the board of directors decided we should be in preventive education, and we should be teaching about healthy relationships, conflict management, etc. So there are 800 young men a year who receive our education course, they're 12th graders, and 1,000 12th grade young women who get our education course. And then, of course, our fifth department is, is what Mrs. Kovacs heads up, our Healthy Relationships Free Workshop, Shalom Workshop, 350 couples every year. And, and those are couples that could be married, what, a month or 10 years or, or anywhere in between? Oh, sorry, go ahead. Sorry, these are couples, well, this started out, originally as a, a program for engaged couples, uh-huh. but we found two things. First of all, the engagement period is sometimes very short, and it's hard to get people to come. And they're occupied with a whole bunch of other stuff. they may be distracted <laughs> with other things. And we also found that the material, this research-based material, actually lends itself very well to couples married you know, 10, 20, 30 years. These right. are skills and tools that, you know, that are helpful throughout marriage. And people always say marriage takes work. This shows you what to do. This All right. So the Healthy Relationships right. Workshop, that's what we call it. The Healthy Relationships Workshop is for anyone married for any length of time. Exactly. It could be a day. Exactly. It could be a decade. Exactly. It could be golden anniversary. Exactly. It's for anybody out there. Yes. And we'll talk yes. more about it, of Sooner, course. The sooner, the better. Take, you know, take yeah. it earlier. It'll help you more. But, we, you know, sure. it's never too late. And I hope that, I mean, I don't know how, uh, you know, I don't know what kind of evidence you could provide, but I would love some type of analysis or research into how helpful these seminars have been. I'm sure we'll get to that coming up. All right, Rachel Marks, um, it, the the hotline, I can't believe there are a thousand people who utilize the hotline on an annual basis. It's unbelievable. The volunteers are incredible. They know how to guide people who call up confidentially in these very difficult situations. Absolutely. What could you tell us about some of the episodes that have happened on that hotline? Absolutely. Well, first of all, I want to point out that not only is it confidential, but it's actually anonymous. Right. There is no caller ID. We don't know who's calling us, and you don't know who you're reaching either. The volunteer can be your neighbor. Um, it can be your friend. You won't know. Um, if you know, if we do somehow, by circumstance, figure out who it is on the phone, it is confidential. That information will go nowhere. Um, it is confidential and anonymous to the point that if we're having a conversation and it seems that the person on the other end of the line is really in danger, physical danger, chas right. we can't even call 911 for them. We can't even get them help because we don't know who's on the line. Of course, we do everything that we can to encourage them to seek help and to guide them in the right direction, um, but we don't even know who's on that phone. Uh, that works to everybody's benefit. It makes people much more comfortable in calling. You have to remember they're calling about really very serious, intimate, personal things that they may, be, they may be very embarrassed about. And in most situations, they've never spoken about this before. When they pick up that phone to call Shalom Task Force, they may have been mustering that um, courage to call for years. For years and years, they may be living in this situation. And then finally, they pick up the phone and make that call. And we're the first ones that they're calling. Um, so these are tough conversations. Uh, and it's, it makes it easier to have when it is anonymous and confidential. If no one's calling 911 on their behalf 
And essentially, no one's taking any action, right? Unless they, I guess if they might request it, maybe someone would have to take action if they would volunteer who they are. But that's an exceptional case. Then what is the call to action? What do people on the other end of that hotline tell those who are calling in? There's so many different things that callers are calling for, and each call really is um, unique and individual. Sometimes people are just calling uh, for a listening ear. They just want to talk. They want to know that somebody's there, that somebody understands them, somebody believes them, somebody's listening, and we're really here for that, for a shoulder to cry on. Sometimes we'll pick up the phone, and somebody will really just cry for 10 minutes while we say, we're here for you, and when you're ready, we'll talk. There are other people who call, and they know exactly what they want. They may need a medical referral, a um, a mental health referral, a legal referral, um, rabbanim, um, whatnot. We have an entire manual of wonderful referrals um, that, that's divided geographically by subject matter, and we can, after speaking to the caller, we can really direct them to a number of services that may be beneficial to them. Is there a system, I'll ask this to all three of you, is there a system where rabbis and rebbitsons and others are educated about these issues? And- yes. And yes. know either how to look for them or how to respond to them? Yes, that's actually very, I'm sorry I jumped in no, here. Go ahead. But that's actually a very big part um, of the Shalom Task Force is that we do like to educate every segment of our community, the Rabbanim, the Rebetzins, the Kala teachers, the Mikvah attendants, the um, our educators and our schools. These are all really very important points of contact for members of our community who may seek help. Mm-hmm. And like you said, there are signs that they may notice or people who may be go, who may go to them. Um, we often get calls, actually, from Rabbanim, even from mental health professionals and whatnot, people who are specifically seeking help in the area of domestic abuse. We are that number. We are that authority. And they reach out to us. And we're really so happy to help with a person who's never had any contact, a professional who's never had any contact with us, or a professional who's doing follow-up, who's taken our calls and now is in a situation with one of their congregants or whatnot and needs help. Do we do we comment about what all this means about our community or that we don't get involved with the Shalom Task Force? It means that we, we're normal. Exactly. <laughs> that unfortunately, we're human. <laughs> Finally addressing right. the issue that the, that should have been underlines addressed. Every com- underlies in every community. All right. Addressing it. There's exactly. no question about it. At least they're doing it. Thank God. Shalom Task Force has their big event Sunday. Uh, this coming Sunday, May the third, at the Sephardic Temple on Branch Boulevard in Cedarhurst, New York. Um, the uh, hotline services over 1,000 people per year, which is pretty amazing. And I don't know where the community would be at this point without a domestic abuse hotline like Shalom Task Force. I just don't know what would be happening. Uh, Basia Kovacs is here, as you mentioned, part of our panel. She is the director of the Shalom Workshop. First, I'll turn to you before we talk about the workshops that we alluded to earlier. How about some stories that have happened uh, with victims on the uh, Shalom Task Force hotline? Yes, I would, I would love to share the story. Actually, this is a story that one of our advocates just shared with us recently that I'd love to tell your audience. Um, she, This advocate is not only staffs our hotline, but she also goes into the schools, and she also gives the Shalom Workshop. She's like Shalom Task Force defined, and she shared this story with us. She said um, right before Pesach, a call called in a victim and she said I'm beside myself I can't take it anymore she sounded drugged she sounded out of it she said you have to help me my husband is so abusive he's so demanding he is so belittling and he he expects me to make perfect Pesach but he doesn't give me credit cards he doesn't give me money he doesn't allow me to spend any money but still has all these expectations of me 
I want to go to my parents for Yantif, but he hid the kids' passports. And every time I stand up for myself or, you know, try to react, he records me and he records my outbursts. And he says, I'm going to take this to court. I'm going to take this to Rabbanim. I'll sh- if, you ever, if you ever say anything against me, I will show this to everybody and show them that you're an unfit mother and you're, you'll lose the kids. And he threatens me like that. And I just can't take it anymore. And the, the caller was beside herself. And our advocate heard her out and listened. And she, and she felt for her, and she said, your husband probably charms everybody. He's probably the sweetest guy in Shul. Everybody probably thinks he's amazing. Everybody probably loves him, and nobody would ever believe you. You probably feel like you have nowhere to turn because no one will ever believe you. And they spoke for a while, and they went over different resources that could help them, you know, that could help the victim, and the victim hung up. And about an hour later, the victim called back, and she said, I just want to know, how did you know? How did you know that about my husband? You uh-huh. don't know me. How did you know? And the truth is that that's the kind of calls that she gets. She knows because it's not a unique situation. This experience. is the profile. This is experience. This is the kind of call we get on the hotline all the time. And she, you know, she said, unfortunately, you know, this is what we're here for. We get this call all the time. We, we're here. We believe you. We can help. And that's, you know, that's the experience that she shared with us. So the lesson we learned from this is if you have a normal working marriage, you should count your lucky stars. <laughs> if anybody out there who's in a normal situation. And come to Shalom Workshop. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. And I recommend it to everybody, especially the young people out there. But, you know, if you're involved in a, in a normal relationship, yes. then thank God. Thank God a million times. Simple as that. Uh, ShalomTaskForce.org has information about all this. ShalomTaskForce.org. Dr. Singer, a word about the honorees, please, this coming Sunday. Uh, who are you recognizing at the Big Shalom Task Force event? Well, the uh, three honorees that we have are Mrs. Joyce Austin, uh, Mrs. Sheila Selig, and I wanted to talk a minute about Rabbi Dr. Abraham Torsky because he's really a trailblazer, a pioneer yeah, who changed the world. How'd with, you get him to be a uh, well, an honoree? Yeah, well, it was it took work, and we're very honored to be able to give him that honor. He wrote when he wrote the Shame Born in Silence 22 years ago. Our organization was just getting started. And Jewish men were known in the world to be a good catch to marry because they don't drink, they don't gamble, and they certainly don't abuse their spouses. When Dr. Tversky saw through his psychiatry practice that there was abuse taking place and slowly began to raise this issue, I just want to quote him directly from the book. When he responded to those for the backlash, there will be those who say that such subjects should not be aired publicly and that to do so is a chilol Hashem, to even imply that Jewish husbands can be wife batterers. I understand that position, but if I must choose between being reprimanded by those who believe this problem should be concealed or by a wife who has suffered from an abusive husband and could not receive help because no one believed her, I know where I must make my choice. And Dr. Tversky became a prime mover of this whole domestic abuse movement within the religious Orthodox community. And when you think about it, with all the different things that he's been involved with over these last 22 years, there isn't a serious situation in our community that he hasn't addressed at this point. Absolutely. And a lot of people get involved in a lot of crazy stuff, and he has met a lot of those people and can attest to how our community has to address all of them. Thank God we're addressing this one, Abuse in the Community Through the Shalom Task Force, and uh, everybody's invited to be at this event this coming Sunday. It's uh, area code 212-742-1478 for information, 212-742-1478, or shalomtaskforce.org, shalomtaskforce.org. If someone thinks they could be a qualified 
volunteer on the hotline, what should they do? They should certainly call our office. We're always looking for people who are interested. The heart of this organization really is its volunteers and advocates. And um, we have so many dedicated um, women advocates, um, men as well, who really put themselves out there and put their heart into helping. Um, so please call our office. It is a very seriously vetted uh, process. Everybody is interviewed. There is a long training um, to become an advocate. What does long advocate. mean? How long is the training? At least 12 weeks of um, in class. Really? Then there's internship. Wow. Uh, yeah, there's internship, there's shadowing, and then when the director of the hotline feels that the advocate is prepared, they are then put on a shift. It's really very, very serious in that not everybody who's even taken into training ends up being an advocate. You have to have really the right, you know, the right skills, the right personality. Um, you really have people's lives, so to speak, in your hands when they're picking up that phone to call us, and we want to make sure that it's the right person on the other line answering that call. Hey, can we get somebody into this studio whose life was changed to the point that now they're as happy as anything? Is I there ha- such a thing? There, You know what? There is. I spoke to a woman um, just the other day in preparation for the brunch, um, a survivor of domestic abuse, um, survivor in every sense. She is so happy to be on the other side. She is a strong woman. Um, she is proud of the help that Shalom Task Force had given her and the what uh, the community had given her to get onto the other side. And she really um, is interested in speaking up to uh, share her story, to kind of, to give chizok to people in that situation, help them become survivors And as should well. I assume that the other side means she's no longer married or not necessarily the case? That's not, oh, she is no longer married. Right. Um, when a caller calls our hotline, we never tell them what to do. We don't tell them to leave their marriage. We don't tell them to stay in their marriage. We are with right. them in but the can moment. You, but can you present, and I'm not asking you to do so, sure. but can you present, in theory, somebody here who is still married and is now happy? Does that story exist in our community? Does it exist in our community? So is the question, can an abuser be reformed? Yeah, or can a, <laughs> or can a couple who have serious problems be motivated to work together and really, you know, clear things up and, right. and, and have a much more respect, respectful, right. you know, no angry relationship? Okay, so I'm actually going to divide, dissect your question, if you would. Sure. Um, there's a very big difference between an abusive relationship and a bad marriage or a troubled marriage, so to speak. A troubled marriage, of course, can be fixed. A lot through of work, hard right? work, through therapy, through mutual respect, like you said, mutual work on mutual respect and communication. An abusive marriage is a different story. That's a different category. Not to say that it cannot be fixed, but it's a totally different, it's a different animal. Right. Um, it's something that really takes a lot more work and a lot more communal involvement and pressure and whatnot. And real professionals have to get involved. Usually. Absolutely. All right. Um, so now we're up to that point where we get to discuss the, uh, the healthy relationships uh, seminars sessions that go on these are these are designed for people who are uh, not only married but those who are in 12th grade right well, there, there's two different departments that we're discussing. Okay. The, tw- the 12th grade is part of the women's or the men's, if it's right. you know, the men's education, the women's education. And then there's the couples. Right. We take over once they're engaged. No, that engaged I... Engaged and on. Right, that I understand. Right. But isn't right. it... So who's doing the uh, who's doing the 12th grade seminar? So that it? is our new hire, Avital Levin. Okay, so it's under so Salam Task Force. Right, yeah, that's sure. what I mean. Yes, yes. I'm trying, to encourage, I'm trying to encourage people to bring into their schools. You now have uh, over 1,000 or 800, whatever statistic you said earlier. Obviously, it should be even more. Right. Right. right there there is a there is a uh, there is a a very 
um, direct way to communicate with those who are 17, 18 years old about how they should be approaching the entire dating scene and relationships with the opposite sex in general, right? Yes, yes. Simple absolutely. as that. That's the skills that they'll get in the classroom. The doors are closed. The teachers right. are not allowed in. The principals are not allowed in. It's the, it's the, you know, our person that we send in and they're able to talk openly and right. privately and they talk about their relationships and what to look for. And, and you're revealing stuff yeah. they never thought of before. It's simple exactly. as that. Like they just exactly. never were conscious of, exactly. of all this stuff. Exactly. Uh, then you guys step in when it comes to uh, engaged couples, those who are married for a short period of time or those who are married for a longer exactly. period of time. And we call that healthy relationships, right? And yes. what goes on in that seminar? So these seminars are like nothing you've seen before. <laughs> these are not Kalal Chassan classes. This is not a Chizik Shir. This is not be good to your spouse. This is a practical hands-on tools, research-based. You're going to sit there with your husband. It's not separate seating unless we need a special <laughs> arrangement. You're going to sit there with your spouse and you're going to work through these tools together. You're going to learn skills for asking for behavior change in a way that will be well-received as opposed to nagging. Right. And often it's a subtle difference Difference between subtle the difference. two. I so mean, subtle. really subtle right. difference right. between the two. The subtle difference. You published something. Right. I don't know if it was a sheet or two. Um, that was just, I thought, remarkable. How one could change their tone or their language and and just completely change their entire presentation just with a few short words. Even or, a few words. Even like if I say you drive me crazy, right. Or if I say I feel overwhelmed, right. Look at that. I, right. say, I changed three words, and one is an attack. And one is my feelings, which you can't deny. Right. It's I'm overwhelmed. Right. What a difference in how you're communicating. And you're saying the same thing, and you're so much more likely to get, instead of your spouse getting defensive, oh, you're overwhelmed, maybe I could be helpful. Right. See, now, now we're getting... It's so it's, small. I know, but now, 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 now i got to go through all of them, because I, <laughs> I, I think all of them are unbelievable. We could, we could certainly analyze every one of them, right? Every single one. Nobody has the list in front of them, no, right? No, no. <laughs> You're lucky. You are so lucky I didn't bring it down from my office, because I'm telling you, I think it's brilliant. It's brilliant. Every one of these phrases that one could say to their spouse or to their fiancé or whoever, whoever they're trying to be sensitive to but don't realize what they're saying sometimes, every one of these expressions, every one of these tones, every one of these uh, sentences can be altered slightly Slightly. to to not only mean something different but present oneself completely differently. Exactly. And that's what what we say. We start out with there's a pyramid where we start out, we don't even know what we're doing wrong. Right. And at the, the top of the pyramid, we don't even think about the new way of speaking it becomes so second nature it becomes so part of our habit that you just never have those or i mean hopefully never have right. those kind of attacking conversations or blaming conversations you just have them in the way in which we teach you with the skills and the tools that you're now prepared with when it, someone says to life change when someone says to their spouse i can't believe you did this right there's a million other ways to say it that right. that would alter it slightly. I can't believe you're always late, right? right? So I worry about you when you're late. Right. I'm so worried. Okay, my wife cares about me, and she, or my husband cares right. about me, and is worried. That's a whole different ball game. That's a whole different thing. And that's just what I we're talking about it. is I the I talk it. versus you talk. That's just one <laughs> skill out of like 20 or 30 different tools that you'll sit. You'll have the presenter show you, and then you'll actually try it out with your husband or uh, with your spouse, right. and. It's, it could be life-changing. See, this is the danger. We're going to end up doing the entire seminar no, no, on the no. air. People won't go to the seminar anymore. I need a whole session. I know. And there's a lot of background also. It's not just getting up here yeah. in this forum and talking about how to alter the way you speak. There's yes. a lot of background yes. to explain why it's so important yes. and how different men and women are and how they react to things right. and all this stuff. And the love languages and what right. he responds to and what he responds to and there's just so much in it. And, and it's all compacted in a, in a four-hour curriculum, research-based, and you just get it all right then and there. And not to defend the 
innocent young men and women out there. But if if someone did not open up their eyes to this, they would never know it. They I, had, I had somebody last night who came over to me. She's married eight years. She said, why didn't I have this eight years right. ago? I wish I would have had this it's eight years ago. It's such a basic ago. tool, but they it's don't like we're know. we're bumbling in the dark. It's, you know, they say marriage takes work. Well, we're trying. We're uh, working. We want to be happy. They but may be what working do I do? wrong. Right. You might be working wrong. Right. You're running at 20% battery when you could be work, running at 98% or 100% battery. Correct. Oh. And there's so much evidence, if, if one looks carefully, there's so much evidence of couples who start out really well, great match, things going well for the first year or right. two, and then, unfortunately, they did not put the work right. into the marriage. Right. It just was not a concern and of theirs. We have skills for staying connected and for not allowing yourself to drift apart and for checking in each day and for all, all that good stuff. All I think it's great. I think it's absolutely great. Uh, wh- what's the formal setup? How do people get to be part of these seminars? What do they do? Where, so, where are they? So we're all over, and we're in so many different formats, and we kind of do it by request. If a shul wants us to come in, we'll ah. do a big workshop in a shul. If we have a group of five or six chassan and kalas who are friends, we'll right. give it to them. If we have a couple who wants it one-on-one because they're not comfortable with other couples there right. for tzniyas reasons or for whatever it is, we'll do a private workshop. So we're really just... So is there a community in our immediate listening area that you haven't been to yet? I assume you've been to at least one shul in every major major community in New York and New Jersey. Is that, that is a safe assumption. That is yes. a safe assumption, right? We are right? all over, yes. <laughs> so if they see the word Shalom Task Force right. with building healthy relationships, that's what they're going to get. They're going to get that seminar. Yes, they're going to get that, and they shouldn't think that it has anything to do with abuse. Because right. we, check, you know, we speak about that at the beginning. We say, if you feel you're in an abusive situation, or if you feel that, you know, then this is not for you. This is not therapy. This is the good, solid right. skills that will help keep this your marriage fresh and happy. This is for couples who care about each other. Yes, this is for that's happy, healthy couples who care about each other who have normal you know the normal stuff you know, the, the arguments and the I don't get what just happened how did that conversation just derail this is for all you good couples out there just kidding <laughs> but it really is for people to maintain and really to build uh, an amazing marriage that's what Shalom Task Force is doing they're doing a million different things but this specific healthy relationship seminar is one that I am a, a major advocate for I think you could hear my enthusiasm for it I say uh, don't wait for the seminar to come to your community. Call Mrs. Basia Kovacs today and have her and her staff bring it to the community. You, you would welcome that, right? We would welcome that. We would embrace uh, that. You're, what's the best contact for you? How do people reach you on this? Direct phone number, 212-742-1141. Okay. Or if you just go to info at shalomworkshop.org, you'll, you'll contact me. That's okay. It. There you have it. So, uh Take care of that. If you're a rabbi or a community leader or somebody who you think uh, your community would benefit from this, take advantage. It's really amazing. Meanwhile, we ask everybody to put May 3rd, this coming Sunday, into your calendar. Shalom Task Force has to continue with great financial support, and we encourage it. Their big brunch is 10 o'clock this coming Sunday morning uh, at the Sephardic Temple on Branch Boulevard in Cedarhurst. We mentioned the honorees are by Tversky. People will get an opportunity to meet him, I assume, right? Yes, and hear him. And hear him speak. At, at the minimum. Keynote speaker. Uh, there are, at the minimum, there are people who just would love to shake his hand, who would love to meet him. So here's the opportunity for them to, to meet a real legend and somebody who's a trailblazer, as you mentioned. Sheila Selig is the Professional Leadership Awardee. Joyce Austin is the Dedicated Service Awardee. Men and women are welcome. All the support out there is welcome. Go to shalomtaskforce.org. ShalomTaskForce.org or call this number for information, 212-742-1478, 212-742-1478. We're going to encourage people to get that Healthy Relationship Seminar into their community as soon as possible. And Rachel Marks, um, is the Confidential Hotline published? Like, can, can those in need of it find it somewhere? Sure, let me give you that number Go right ahead. now. It's 888 888- 
7183323 or 7183373700 the line will be open in just 15 minutes we are open 60 at least 62 hours per week Every week. There are people standing by to take the calls. And to reiterate what you said earlier, for those who may just be tuning in, is not only is it confidential, there's no caller ID. Nobody on the other end will do any follow-up without the consent of the person on the line. And if all people want to do is simply just... You know, vent or emote or they should feel free to do so. Absolutely. And I think it's also important to point out that who, who our callers are, the scope of our callers. We get callers from the completely unaffiliated to our, you know, to, to Hasidim and everything between right, left, center. And we have the resources and the referrals to address everybody. Um, wherever you are geographically, on the religious spectrum, um, wherever you are and whatever you need, we're there to help you at that point. Fantastic. Uh, we encourage everybody who is in need to do so and, and get that help as soon as possible. ShalomTaskForce.org has all the information. Dr. Singer, you brought us some great guests this morning. Thank Look you at this. You, you and I hardly have to speak today. Thank you. You brought great? us such great guests. The way it should be. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take your word for it. <laughs> uh, ShalomTaskForce.org. The brunch is Sunday. Let's make it a very successful one. Big thank you to our friends from Shalom Task Force on a Monday morning here at JM in the AM. Nine, 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 nine,
J.M. in the A.M. Cole Ish here at J.M. the A.M. Six minutes before 9 o'clock. Big thank you to our friends at the OU. We had an amazing time yesterday at the OU Jewish Community Fair. If you want to check out, oh, I don't know, 47 or so communities in the United States plus Israel, uh, you can go to OU.org slash community. They, they published an incredible book of uh, 47... Um, 47 different uh, um, communities with everything that they have to offer. Really incredible stuff. Really incredible. Uh, did it really well, and you could check it out uh, by going to their website, ou.org slash community. Coming up on the next edition of the Israel Show with Mayor Weingarten, which follows next about five minutes from now. First of all, if you haven't checked out the Yomatz Mot special, that Mayor and I were privileged to uh, hold here at JM and the AM. Please, please make sure to do so at some point. Really an incredible celebration of Israel happened this past Thursday on the air at JM and the AM. Today, on a live edition of the Israel Show, the effects of a major earthquake, earthquake in Nepal are felt strongly in Israel. The Israel Show will explore the connection and the amazing rescue efforts carried out by the IDF's Home Front Division. Plus, over the centuries, the land of Israel has experienced several devastating earthquakes. How is the state of Israel preparing itself for the future? Hasbara highlights will feature the great Andrew Clavin on U.S. policy on the Middle East, a special sphere format of slow and inspirational Israeli music. Right after JM and the AM, you'll hear all of it, 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Israel Time. Join the growing number of followers on the Israel Show Facebook page. Go to facebook.com slash the Israel Show. Make sure to like the page, facebook.com. Slash the Israel Show. So Mayor Weingarten coming up next. Lots about Nepal. Lots about the Israeli rescue efforts. Lots about the uh, history of Israel with earthquakes and slow music for a Sphira edition of the Israel Show coming up right after JM in the AM. 48 degrees, partly cloudy, a high of 63. It's day 23 in the counting of the Omer. 23. Three weeks and two days. We forgot to count last night. Make sure to do so sometime today. 23rd day in the counting of the Omer. Are we approaching the halfway point of the Omer already? My gosh. Wow. A couple of days away from the halfway point of the Omer. Boy, oh boy. Time does fly, doesn't it? It certainly does. Uh, wrap things up on a JM in the AM Monday morning. What do we have here? Um... There we go. We'll wrap things up here on a Monday morning at JM and the AM with 
Our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard and listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial, around the world on the web, jmnam.org. Broadcasting live from the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios here in Jersey City, New Jersey. This is one of those days at JM and the AM that can be uh, cited as one, thank God, that has added to... Uh, the world of community service, I'm proud to say. We spoke with an Adav Kidron of Oramed, what an Israeli company led by people from the religious Jewish community are doing in the world of uh, diabetes and insulin. Rabbi Gabi Freed, encouraging people on the Dirshu front to join Adaf Yomi Bahalacha and uh, the Shalom Task Force and their incredible work that's helping so many in the Jewish community. Kalakavod to everybody. Uh, Israel Show is next with Mayor Weingarten on jmnam.org. Have a fabulous Monday till tomorrow. It's Nachum Siegel reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.